a couple years ago, Leanne brought a book to me and said, hey, I think that this would make for a great series. It's by the author, by a guy named Jeff Mannion. And uh, after reading it and kind of just praying over it and, and kind of shelving it for a year or so, we have now come back to that. And so if you've read the book, you're going to see and hear some very similar things to what he says. If not, um, I didn't author a lot of this. And so I just want to be up front. I like to do that and give credit to, to whom it, it, it belongs. And so check it out. You're going to be going through this again with your small groups. And I know that you're going to be blessed either today or somewhere in the future, or you're going to have an opportunity to minister to someone because of this series. And so... Uh, Sound good? All right, let me pray for us and we'll dive in. Father, this morning, as we begin into a new series, into a place that can seem so desolate, but a place that just is unavoidable. As we talk about the land between God, I pray that you would bless us with uh, courage, because it's going to take that. God, I pray that you bless us with trust and faith. It's going to take more of that than maybe we have or we think we have at the moment. God, I pray you bless us with community, that we can look to our right or left, or we can cook, look across a counter at a coffee shop, or we can look at, at someone who's sitting in the chair as I sat on their couch and realize that I may be in a little different situation, but God, I'm not alone in my situation. And so, Father, I pray that through this, you begin to heal us, that you begin to, to grow us, you begin to equip us, that, Father, you would do something that only you can, and you'll do it through the hearts and the, and, and, and the hands of people that you've surrounded us with. So, Father... Guide us, walk with us through the land between. And we pray this through your son's name, amen. You know, um, I know this is true. Life can change in a split second. Life can change direction in a moment. In fact, life can even change in a sentence. And when that happens, you will find yourself thrust into what we're going to call the land between. Now, let me tell you what the land between is because this is really going to shape the entire series. It's going to shape the next six weeks. The land between is this. It's where life is not as it once was and where the future is in question. It's, it's not where things used to be and you look back and go, man, if I could just get back there, if I could somehow rewind the hands of time and go back there, but you know that chances are because of what is happening in life, what you're experiencing in life, that's not possible. And so what do you do? You turn from the past and you begin to look at the future. I don't know what this is going to hold. I don't know where this is going. There's some major uncertainty in my life. And as much as I would like to go back here, life is no longer going to be as it once was. And I'm not really sure what it's going to hold for me in the future. And so guess what? You get stuck in the land between. You get stuck in this moment in time, and you don't know how long the moment's going to be. You don't know how long this season's going to be, and that even further frustrates you or scares you, and, all, and you're going, I wish this would end. I wish I could have this. Don't know where this is going, and here I sit in the middle of this, and I don't know what to do. I don't know how to, to deal with these things, and these are the moments where God begins to seem farther than he's ever felt, and you begin to question, God, are you there? Are you listening? Are you tuned in? And then the overflow of our hearts come out in some really dark places if we allow them. It comes out in a lot of different ways, and it comes out in crying and frustration and anger and all these things, and here we sit in the land between. I also know this, that the land between is where everything that is normal is suddenly interrupted. That you're going along and there's a normalcy to life or what we think is normal. There's really no normal, right? Because your normal is different than my normal. But whatever it is that is seemingly steady and normal is interrupted 
by something. And like I said, it can happen even in a sentence. A sentence like, well, I hate to tell you, but we're going to have to let you go. That moment where you've given 15 years of your life to a company and a sentence changes the trajectory of what you thought was normal. It can happen in a sentence like this. I'm just not in love with you anymore. It can happen in a sentence where we say, there's really no easy way for me to say this, but I'm afraid it's cancer. And you find yourself in the land between normal was interrupted. It's that call that says, I've been arrested on a DUI. Mom, dad, as they sat on the edge of a bed, I'm pregnant. You sit on the edge of your kid's bed and say, there's really no easy way to say this, but your dad and I, we're getting a divorce. And that child is thrown into a land between, or you as a parent are thrown into a land between. I just want to let you know I'm having second thoughts about the wedding. I know we're only a month out, but I just don't know if that's what I want to do. Or you get that call late night. Sir, I hate to tell you, but there's been an accident. In a moment, you find yourself in the land between. For me, one of those moments came early on. I had been in ministry for a few years, and, and, and while it doesn't end in, in a car accident and it doesn't end in cancer, for me, it was still a moment. It was still a land between, and it took me quite a while to unwind what I thought was one thing and ended up being another thing, and, and I didn't really know how to process, but Lori and I were looking to make a move, and, and we had found what we thought was the perfect ministry job, and it was going to bring us back closer to family. It was going to bring us back closer to home, and there were some things on the other end that, that had kind of run its course, and we uh, wanted to make this move, and we had kind of zoned in, and through the, through the process of trying to relocate ministry, we had gone through probably 30 different ministry jobs and kind of looked. We knew where we wanted to go. We felt like what we knew was going to be our next normal. And so here we are. We're five layers deep. We are deep into this interview. I had it on good authority that the job was everything but mine. I had had some, some relationships and some friends, and we had gone down, and we had done, like I said, four or five different levels of, of interviewing, and we had been down to spend time with, and we were locked in. In fact, I had started to turn down other opportunities to go and have even conversations. And yeah, I know I was young, and that's my fault, and it was stupid for doing that, but I had put all my eggs in this basket, and I knew that, that if I could lock in here, and I knew, again, because of some relationships that I had, that this was going to be the place that Lori and I were going to reside for what we thought was the unforeseeable future. We knew that this was going to be what we wanted, what we had prayed for, what we desired in ministry. It was so much different than where I came from and anything that I had experienced. And I remember getting in the car from leaving there, and one of the guys who was on staff, who was also one of the lead guys in the hiring process, said, Jason, we can't wait for you to get here. He said, we'll be in touch. Probably won't be long. Four or five days rolls by, and I see the phone number come up, and I looked at Lori, and I said, this is it. This is the moment. You guys ready? And in a sentence, he threw us into a land between that took us years to unwind and figure out, Jason, 
we've decided to go in a different direction. I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to process that. And so what happens is I began to to look internally, and I went, well, was it me? I knew better than to ask the question because the question might come with a real answer, right? And so I was left in this land between, and I began to, to tear apart everything that was personal, and I began to tear apart everything that was professional. Everything I thought I was good at or everything that I thought I had done right, I began to second question. And guess what? I drug that into my ministry into the next place. And it took me a while to begin to unwind that because I found myself in the land between where I couldn't go back to where I once was and I didn't know what the future held. I thought I did. But here I find myself in the land between. And then there's other times. There are other times that it's not some earth-shattering phone call. It's not a sentence. It's not even a moment. But there's this kind of long, gradual entry into the land between. It's those moments where your relationship, your marriage, you you wouldn't categorize it as hate. You wouldn't even categorize it as, as a mad. You look at that place over the last decade where it's just kind of eroded away and you get to a place where you kind of look across the table and go, I don't really know what happened, but we're not there anymore. In fact, I Kind of would still like to be your friend, but I just don't want to be married. And, and it was this slow entry into this place where now suddenly everything that was normal is going to change. And it wasn't a, a catastrophic event. It wasn't something that happened in those moments. It's, it's where you have poured your everything, your heart, your soul, your, your finances into this business. And there was a time five, six years ago that business was good. It was booming. And now in and, and month one, you thought, well, it's just, it's just maybe you know the time of year. And then all of a sudden, six months goes by and you go, well, our numbers are steadily decreasing. And then by the end of the year, you're beginning to pour your savings back into the business because you thought five years ago it was fine. It'll pick back up. Six months later, you're out of savings. You're tapping into 401. And all of a sudden, you find yourself having to brick the front of the door going, I don't know what happened. How, I mean, how did we get from, and you look back and you saw that it was just slow gradual process, but nonetheless, you find yourself now in the land between. They were such sweet kids growing up. They loved Jesus. They loved us. Now, they won't even come around and, man, don't even talk about Jesus. What happened? I mean, we, we, we did everything we thought was right. I mean, we, 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 if you're like me, we, we, we went to church 18 times a week. We were given every advantage, and, and you look, and all of a sudden now, you look at, at things didn't turn out the way, and normalcy is somehow interrupted. They're the ones making the call that says, oh, Mom, I've been rested. I don't know what to do here. What happened? And it was a long, gradual process, but nonetheless, you find yourself in the land between. I thought it was just the quote-unquote getting old memory loss, but now when I walk into the room, she doesn't even recognize who I am. How did we get here? And we find ourselves again in the land between, man, I wish I could go back. But the future sure is in question. And some of us, like I said, don't enter the land between with an earth-shattering event, but a slow, steady pace. But here's the thing. While all of us are dealing with a different land between, and while all of us are in different places and we're in different segments and corners of the map, Some are are what we would classify as a little bit more simple 
land-betweens, and some of us are dealing with some very severe land-betweens. We're all in or have been in these moments of land-betweens, and regardless of how we get there, the landscape is much the same. Doubt and uncertainty. Going along fine, and boom, welcome to the land-between, a place where we've all been, and if we live long enough, you'll be back, or a place where you currently are and you're counting down the days, you're counting down the moments when you can get out. And like I said, maybe it's not all the same circumstances that got us there, but all of us are going to share a familiarity with it. And here's why I know, because life is tough. Life is hard. And life is full of unexpected twists and turns that lands us in this land between. Now, I need you to know something, that the land between, regardless of the picture I just painted, the land between is not all bad. The land between is not all depressing. It can be if we don't approach it right. If we don't approach it with the right attitude or if we don't step outside for just a moment and begin to equip ourselves, it can be. If we don't surround ourselves, that's why house groups are so important. If we don't surround ourselves with people who are also experiencing and aware and lay claim to the land between that says, listen, we got this. We're going we're gonna to fight for each other. We're going to pray for each other. We're going to encourage each other. If we don't surround ourselves and equip ourselves right to navigate that terrain, it can be absolutely devastating. And some of you may be on the brink or you know someone who's not here this morning because they've given up on it because they were on the brink of devastation and just dove off. They said, this is hopeless. We cannot do this and and, and we don't know what to do. And some of you are right there on that brink. And can I just say, while it can be devastating, it doesn't have to be. It's not all bad. And so here's what we wanted to do for the next few weeks. And all I'm doing today is laying the terrain. We're going to talk into some specifics, but let's talk about it. Or better yet, let's walk together through this. Let's deal with some things because there's a few things that can happen. First, growth can happen in the land between. It can be bad, but it doesn't have to be bad. Growth can happen. But what grows? See, the land between is prime domain. It's prime estate. It's prime land. It's fertile for a couple of different things. It can grow resentment. It's these moments where you begin to resent everybody and anything that you think contributed to your land between, and most of all, you begin to resent God. It it can grow bitterness. It's that, you know, the world, it's just me versus the world, and I'm bitter to everything and anybody. Again, I just find myself, you ever have those days where you just wake up angry? You wake up mad. You wake up just frustrated. Because something inside of you, while you've been in this land between this rough terrain, has grown this. And you go, how in the world did I get to a place where I'm an angry person? I used to not be an angry person. I was the life of the party and everybody, I was the guy that everybody would come to and say, hey, can you give me some encouragement? Man, can we hang out? Because you just make me feel good. And all of a sudden, you don't even want to hang out with yourself nor anybody else because the land between was great, perfect domain for growing bitterness animosity, or one that I deal with, scathing sarcasm. Those moments where not just you throw out a zinger, but you throw out enough of them that what it begins to build up within you is cynicism. Nothing is right. And you're skeptical of everything. And then you become hostile, and then what it can 
grow to is this place of apathy where you just look and go, you know what, I just don't care. It can grow those things. And if it doesn't grow the things I'm about to tell you, it will grow those things. But you know, it's also fertile ground for growing things and this opportunity to reset and to refocus. It can grow you with spiritual transformation. It can grow you if you allow it, and again, putting the right things around you, it can grow you to an emotional restoration. It can grow you to radical modification. It can, it, can, it, can, it can fend off apathy. In fact, if you allow it to, it can even grow you into a place where it develops a sense of passion for and helping others and getting through the very land that you couldn't get out of fast enough. All of a sudden, you find yourself passionate. It's one of the things I love spending. Jennifer's not with us. She's dealing with some medical stuff. But, but Jennifer O., who a lot of you know, who, who was a drug addict, for years, one of the be- most beautiful testimonies you've ever heard. And she got to a place where she said, you know, as I walked through the land between, what I allowed it to do was grow me in, in, in a way that makes me passionate about helping others walk through the land between. But she did that because she knew going into it that I can either grow farther, bitter, I can grow farther into a place of animosity, I can grow farther, or I can lean into and see what God is trying to do. And most of all, Faith can thrive in the land between, or it can completely dry up in the land between. And you go, Jason, how is this possible? I mean, it's the same desert. It's the same terrain. It's the same place. And here's the answer. It's all in how we navigate it. It's all in how we, better yet, allow God to work in us and through us as we walk through it. And so that's what we're going to do. This series is not a quick exit strategy. So if, you're, if you got the pen and paper going, okay, I need five things over the next five weeks that's going to give me a guaranteed quick out, it's, it's not it because I don't have those answers. And, and, and all those answers would look different for different people, and so it's impossible for me to stand and say, okay, here are five things you can do or six things you can do or two things you can do to make sure that you find the exit route as quickly as possible. It's not that kind of serious. I want you to know this. You're not going to find career counseling over the next six weeks. You're not going to find family therapy over the next six weeks. We have outlets for those things, and we would encourage you to be a part of those things, but that's not the goal. Here's the goal over the next few weeks. It's to just wrestle. Can we wrestle together? It's kind of weird, isn't it? I don't literally want to wrestle with you. I have a bad back and bad knees, but let's wrestle. Can we just admit that we're here sometimes, or, or we've been there, or we, we feel it coming? Can we just wrestle? Can we lean in? For just six weeks, lean in. And, and can, we, can we commit to saying, okay, God, I want you to grow, and, and I want to give you the outline. I want to give you the roadmap. I want to give you the, the desert terrain. Here's what it's going to look like. There's going to be times in this where there is absolutely no shortage of complaining. There are going to be moments that all that comes out is complaint, complaint, complaint. And can I just say we're going to lean into that? I'm not going to scold you for it. I'm just going to lean in and let's just talk about about complaints where nothing seems to go right. And then we're going to move from that into a place of meltdown. You know that moment where you go, listen, you got about three seconds, three, two, one, and I'm going to have an absolute meltdown. It's that moment when when you get home and and your spouse is absolutely laid out and you can't figure out how to deal with it or how to work with it and she doesn't know or he doesn't know exactly what. There has just been some sort of colossal meltdown. Let's get everybody around the table. And can I just tell you that God's people have dealt with meltdowns? 
But what, what we also want to see as we begin to turn the corner is that many times what is unseen is the provision that's waiting just around the corner. And we're going to begin to open up. Okay, let's get the complaints out there. Let's have a meltdown. Let's throw the tent. Let's do whatever we got to do. Let's cry out. But know that God in just the right moment is going to provide for, he is going to present provision in a way that you go, why couldn't I have seen that back here? God, if I'd known you were going to provide for me like that here, I wouldn't have complained the way I did. And I, God, I sure could have saved the meltdown. And God says, well, but look how far we've come and look how we've grown and then there are going to be moments where you kind of got to huddle in you got to look yourself in the mirror and say you know what in order for me to 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 really kind of begin to break away or or in order for me to continue to not deal with these things I might have to have some the d word might have to be or experience or begin to act in a disciplined way But then what we're going to see as this thing moves out, growth always happens. Always happens. And so that's where we're headed. So how do we get there? Exodus 16. We see over these nine chapters, Exodus 16 through 25, which I don't have on the screen. We'd be here the rest of the day reading those. So you go and read those on your own. But we're going to kind of land in Exodus 16 through 25. And what you're going to see is this. You're going to see that God's people, these people known as the Israelites, find themselves in the land between. They're coming out of Egypt, and they're heading toward a promised land, the land of Canaan. And I don't know if you can see this. We're kicking it old school, right? I tried to find a little flannel graph that I could put up, but I, I... the, the Christian bookstore was closed down. I didn't have those. And so I thought, we'll just put it up here. And I made it look as old-fashioned as I could find. I typed in, like, old-school Bible map. And uh, anybody remember? I'm going to go way off on tan. Anybody remember when those used to be, like, in the inside cover of the Pew Bible? Anybody remember those? And they were always, like, a lime green. Anyway, I couldn't find a lime green one. But I want you to notice that they came out of this place in Egypt. And I'm not the smartest guy, and I get lost from time to time without my GPS. I don't know what I would do without Siri. But if you notice where they went, which is kind of up here on your right-hand side, that's where they're going. Why not just take a straight line? That's not what they did. They ended up in this land between. So they navigate south, and then they kind of come up. And I don't know if you notice or not. They do this big circle. They find themselves in the land between. And what we're going to notice in this is that as they spend this time from Exodus... 16 to 25, they do a lot of circling. But you know what they also do? They do a lot of complaining. They, do, they, they have some meltdown. And we're going to begin to see surface a God who always provides, and we're going to see that God is a God also who sometimes says, listen, you got to knock some things off. Let's talk about discipline. And you're going to have to not just take the discipline, you are going to have to become self-disciplined, but I promise you I'm growing you for something. I'm growing you for the land that is on the promised side. I'm growing you for Canaan. But, but, but in order to get there, you're going to have to spend some time in this land between. And so the question then, this is how we're going to end today. The question is, how did they get there? So let me rewind you back again. I want you to go home and kind of read through this. It's a fascinating story that starts back in Genesis. In Genesis 15, we see that God comes to a guy named Abraham. And God says, listen, I want to bless you. I want to, I'm going to make you a father, if you will, a patriarch of all nations. I'm going to build such a great nation through you that, 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 that the stars in the sky won't even do it justice. There's going to be more than you, than you can ever count. It's going to be the greatest nation that's ever walked the earth. It's going to be my people, and I'm, I'm going to build a covenant with you. And, and so they make this covenant. 
and it's a blood covenant. So they make this covenant that says, listen, when this covenant is made between you and I, you know that it's a promise. It's what's going to happen. And so that was the beginning of where this leads. And so Abraham and God make a covenant. And then we see that the covenant came with some things, not just a covenant of a great nation or a promise of a great nation. It comes with a promised land. And so in verse 18 of Genesis 15, we see that God says, listen, am I also going to provide for you a land, a promised land? And as we see this land unfold, it's, it's lush and it's full of what is later described as milk and honey. It, it was going to provide anything and everything for anybody who would find themselves in this land that where everybody could have everything they they needed everything they wanted under the safety and the provision of God, and we knew it was going to be true. We knew it was going to be that case because God had made a covenant with Abraham. And so this covenant began to get passed down from generation to generation. So Abraham passes it down to his son Isaac. And then Isaac begins to live out his life, and as his life kind of comes to a close, he passes this covenant down to his son Jacob. And then Jacob passes this down through his 12 sons. He has 12 sons that later become the 12 tribes, and and all of these kind of have different functioning uh, capacities within the nation of Israel, in in this Israelite land. And through a series of events, Jacob and his sons, one of which was Joseph, had many colors, Joseph and the other brothers, their sons, their families end up in Egypt. You go, how in the world did they end up? This is how they end up in Egypt. There's a great famine. And Joseph, through a series of unfortunate events, finds himself in just the right position, again, through the hand of God to provide for his family, but also extend it out, provide for the nation of Israel. And so here we see this place where during famine, people begin to relocate. Joseph says, hey, move everybody up. I want everybody. And so it begins with the family and then extends out into the neighborhood. And before you know it, the entire people of Israel, the Israelites, have descended upon Egypt. And at first, it wasn't a bad place to be. In fact, it was what saved their lives because they could find food there. They could find shelter there. They could find work there. They could find all the provision, again, through the hand of God. But like most small-town people, big-town people, we are experiencing this in Nashville right now, right? If you're not from Nashville, we welcome you to Nashville. But on a daily basis, I'm going, where are all these people coming from? And it was fine five years ago when we got to begin, you know, when we began to get some nicer restaurants. But now, okay, enough's enough. So this is what happened. It it was one of those moments where it's like, hey, good to meet you. I'm your neighbor. And now they're at a place where they're going, listen, no more Chicago people, no more Philadelphia people. In fact, we don't want any more Northerners. Like, just stay where you're at. In fact, Atlanta is just south of here. If you will go to Atlanta, you'll love it. They've got way better traffic system. It's a nice, just go to Atlanta. Lots of jobs in Atlanta. But this is what, is, this is what Egypt's doing. They're kind of like the modern-day Nashville. It's like, listen. So somebody somewhere at some point walks out and goes, you know what? There's a lot of Israelites here. Didn't notice it at first. I thought it was just one condo that was going to go up, but... After the 12th condo and three blocks, it's like, all right. And then somebody began to, again, plant seeds of fear and go, what if they they wanted to rule this place? What if they decided to take over? Their numbers, I think, are just as great as ours. And so through fear, they got scared. Because of their great numbers, Egypt takes them captive. It makes them slaves. Again, remember the covenant. 
So here's what happens. They spend 400 plus years enslaved, making sure that the Egyptians had everything they wanted and everything they needed at the sweat and at the hands of the Israelites. And all along, they're experiencing these moments of how much longer, how much longer, how much longer. And then we turn the page into Exodus. In Exodus chapter 3, God doesn't just hear for the first time, but God says the timing's right, and he answers their cry. And so he takes one of their own who had kind of an inside track, he takes one of their own, a guy named Moses. And he has to convince Moses, but he also equips Moses and he sends community with Moses to deal with. And so Moses, this ill-equipped guy, walks into Pharaoh, the president, the king, and says, hey, by the way, I'm going to take my people out of here. And he's like, yeah, you will. So they begin to negotiate, and you see these plagues come down. You see frogs and locusts and rivers turn to blood and all these kinds of negotiation tactics, right? And finally, Pharaoh says, take them, get them out of here. So they are exiting. They're celebrating. They're like, we are free at last. And so they, they get to this place at the Red Sea, and they begin to see the Egyptians who said, hey, who's going to build brick now? Hey, who, who, who's going to fix dinner tonight? Who's going to take care of my kids? And they begin to see the vacancies that are left behind, and so they begin to push toward them. And then in a moment again of provision, God opens up the sea, and they walk through on what is said to be dry land. And then he closes the sea to never be bothered again by the Egyptians. And you go, Jason, that's a great story, right? I mean, I thought this was a series on the land between. But here's what happens. And that's all, if we put the map back up, that's all in that top corner. So what in the world happened down here that we go in circles? Well, here's what happens. Through a series of poor decisions by some, well-deserved maybe by some, everybody ends up. And there's going to be some moments in life where you go, listen, I didn't do anything to deserve this, but I'm telling you, the way the world works, because evil exists, because Satan will be Satan. So through a, a series of poor decisions and evil and disobedience and faith issues, they enter into the land between. The wilderness is where they will spend the next 40 years going in circles. And I'm going to tell you, I know for some of you, it feels like it's been 40 years. And so here's what we're going to do over the next several weeks. We're going to just journey with them. And like their journey, what you're going to learn as we kind of land this morning, that the journey is a necessary journey. And I know it doesn't feel that way right now. Or maybe coming out of it, you're going, was that really necessary? Or going into it, you're going, is this really necessary? I mean, it, you have this moment where, again, normal is no longer the normal. It's been interrupted, and things weren't or can't be as they once were, and, and the future's in question. But what we're going to see unfold over the, over the next five weeks was that it was absolutely a necessary journey. And I'm telling you, for you, whether you're in it or about to go in it, uh, it is a necessary one. And you go, Jason, I, I don't like the sound of this, but I promise you God's going to do something amazing in this. And just like them... There are going to be moments, and again, this is why we want you to experience this in the context of the group. There are going to be moments where it's just disheartening, where, where you look at it and go, there's nothing good, there's nothing, how in the world am I supposed to find anything, and I become disheartened. I, I, you can almost feel the weight, and there are going to be those moments, but can I tell you, just buckle up and hang in those moments with us. 
There are going to be moments where you go, I'm just going to complain. I'm just going to let it all out. And as much as the people around us are tired of complaining, there's going to be a necessary moment where you just got to get some stuff out there on the table. There are going to be moments where I promise you, you're going to begin to, if you hold in there, if you decide to kind of lock in there for a second, there'll be moments where I promise you, you will experience God's provision. And and, and there are going to be moments where, like them, There are going to be moments where we're going to have to deal with some things. We're going to have to maybe experience some discipline. There are going to be moments where you go, listen, part of dealing is is creating different rhythms, disciplining myself in order to achieve or in order to move about or bring about a different result. There's going to have to be some of those things. There are going to be moments where we're going to see warnings and corrections, but we're also going to begin to see encouragement and comfort. All of that exists in the land between. I'm not talking about two different places. All of this. They didn't experience provision and encouragement and comfort once they got into Canaan. No, they experienced it even in the midst of warning and correction and all this, all this heavy stuff. But above all, and this is why we wanted to do this series, and we wanted to do it in a time where not only house groups were happening, we wanted to do it in a time where typically everybody's schedule's a little less. You've not started the craziness of spring break because we believe without a doubt that you will also emerge with a deeper, more meaningful faith in a relationship not only with God but with each other. We believe that, but you've got to hold in and begin to watch and see how this unfolds for them. But it's not just their story, it's our story. And we're going to begin to see this moment where God is equipping us. He's preparing us for when and if, and not if, but when emergency happens. Anybody love the office like I do? I'm not talking about the office you go to work. I'm talking about Dwight, Dwight Schrute office. That's right. That's the biggest response I've had all day. My favorite episode, without a doubt, is the episode that starts with the fire alarm. You're probably not going to hear it. If you love that show, you're not hearing anything else I have to say because you're going to replay this in your mind. But Dwight, as the safety officer of the office, decides that his team is not prepared. And so he concocts this this office-wide experiment where he is going to create a fire. And I love the scene when he kind of takes a puff of a cigarette as he throws it into a trash can full of paper. And he said, today, smoking is going to save lives. And what proceed, what follows that is this frantic chaos. It's over the top, but yet it's so real. It's this moment where everybody in the office begins to panic. They're climbing through ceilings. They're throwing like overhead projectors out windows. You got Kevin in the break room breaking out the glass on the snack machine. You've got this just scene of chaos, and they're scared, and they're thinking, this is it. We're going to die. Stanley has a heart attack. I mean, it's this massive moment. And then there's this moment where Dwight stands up on a chair, and he shoots an air horn. And he says, attention, employees of Dunder Mifflin. What's he say? This has been a test of your emergency preparedness. Guys, I just want the next six weeks, if nothing else, to just be a test for your emergency preparedness. I want you to, instead of frantically trying to find the exit, so I told you it's not an exit series. Instead of frantically trying to climb through the ceiling and through the walls, trying to find an exit, will you just lean in for the next six weeks? 
Can we together learn to navigate this treacherous land and prepare ourselves to the best of our abilities for it and partner with a God who will get us through it? Guys, the land does not have to crush us. So let me give you two questions, and I'm calling it a day. What if I told you it was possible to have a vital faith that allows you to be at your best when things are at their worst? Would you lean in? If I could tell you that, listen, I I, I can't give you the details because I don't know them. They're your story. It's your faith walk. But I can tell you that God always in the land betweens will equip you, prepare you to, to make and grow your faith to be vital so that you can be your best even when things are at your worst. Would you at least lean in and go, okay, tell me more? It's kind of like, you know, like, hey, if I promise you at the end of this, I'll give you a six-week cruise. Would you lean in? Would you stay? What if I could tell you that it is possible for the best version of you to emerge while you're passing through a season of profound disappointment, of unnerving chaos and tremendous pain? Would you lean in? What if I told you that you could come out of this completely reshaped? Again, I don't know how, I don't know the details of your story, but what if I could tell you that God could use the very moment that you're either in or about to go in as a moment to reshape you, to revisit you, to revitalize you, to, re, to, to do something imaginative in your life that you thought was not imaginable? Would you look at the land between differently if we could tell you that those things were possible? If you said yes, then lean back in with us. But I'm going to tell you that it's up to you. It's a decision that you make in positive growth or spiritual tailspin, either of those things. But I do know this. You can't leave here today and just hope it goes away. You can't force it to disappear, but you can lean into God. You can lean into this narrative of the Israelites and see how God will begin to bring about good things even in the midst of some pretty bad moments. I had a friend of mine, as I close, who told me that the wilderness, the land between, I love the phraseology, I've never forgotten this. He said that that is simply the king's school. And what he meant by that was that these moments of wilderness is where the king will teach us. It doesn't mean the king caused it. That's a different topic for a different day. It doesn't mean God is is causing it. But it does mean that God will allow it to be used for his glory. That in this moment, just like a headmaster, a, 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 a teacher, he will allow us in these wilderness experiences is the king's school. It's God's school. It's these moments where he will begin to prepare us and teach us, and provide for us these newfound things. And what I found in my life is that it's the only place, the only place where radical, I'm talking about next level, radical transformational growth can occur. And I want you and I want myself to experience these moments of radical transformational growth. So don't run from the land between. 